and welcome to the Westside Church's special Monday Morning Coffee Podcast. On this podcast, our preacher, Mark Roberts, will help you get your week started right with a look back at yesterday's sermon so that we can think through it further and better work the applications into our daily lives. Mark will then look forward into this week's Bible reading so that we can know what to expect and watch for. And he may have some extra bonus thoughts from time to time. So grab a cup of coffee as we start the week together on Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Monday Morning Coffee Podcast for July the 26th. I'm Mark, and I'm telling you, you need to buckle up for the podcast today because I have a ton of stuff for you this morning. All of it will really help you get going. A big dose of energy from our worship on Sunday coming your way on the podcast. All of that and some delicious coffee, too. It's the best way to start the work week. Let's get to work. So in yesterday's sermon, I did something a little bit different. It comes from a series that I've preached from time to time called Sing with Understanding. And as I mentioned yesterday, I really intended that series originally to be about some of those older hymns that we sing that maybe have archaic vocabulary that we're not familiar with, trying to develop some of that so that we can sing those songs and really know what we're singing. Well, yesterday wasn't about an old hymn. It was about a very new hymn, a song that debuted in 2014 and has become super popular called Oceans. And it's an interesting hymn. Some people really love this hymn a lot, and some people don't like it at all. But when we kind of began to work with it a little bit yesterday, it becomes clear pretty quickly that maybe some of our objections just don't really hold a lot of water. Sometimes people just don't like things that are new and things that are different. I think that's probably where I was on this song. It is kind of complicated musically, but we sing a lot of stuff that has some complexity to it. I think about the new song. There's a lot going on in that music there. And sometimes people say something about it. Oh, it's one of those young people songs. But we want our young people to want to worship. If young people like a song, that ought to be a plus, not a minus. And it is an emotional song. I think it brings a lot of emotion out of us. But again, that's a very good thing in worship. Emotion has to be controlled and uh, we're not going to put emotion in the front of the train. That's not what's driving everything. Content and that a song is scriptural and saying things that the Bible teaches and and that we ought to praise God with. Of course, that's what's most important, but good content ought to pull good emotion out of God's people. And then I talked at length yesterday about the role of the Holy Spirit. This song, Oceans, talks a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And somehow, I just get uncomfortable sometimes with any kind of conversation or discussion about the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid somebody's going to take that the wrong way or decide somehow that I'm charismatic or something like that. I just need to do better about that. I don't feel like I have to put a bunch of caveats behind everything that I sing. We sing Amazing Grace. I'm not falling apart on that and feeling like, oh, we'd better jump up and explain the whole plan of salvation. I'm not sure why I feel that way about the Holy Spirit, but I need to do better with that. And I think this song maybe in some ways has helped me with that. The really big point in the song, and I hope this was the big point in yesterday's lesson, is that this song is about trusting in Jesus enough to do things that are hard, to do things that are uncomfortable, things that we're unsure of. It builds on the experience that Peter had when Jesus called him out of the boat. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, Peter saw, Peter and the apostles saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter said, if it's really you, Lord, call me out of the boat. Call to me. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water, which is amazing and incredible and awesome in every way. Unfortunately, Peter began to look around at the waves and the wind, and he lost sight of Jesus. And when he did that, he began to sink. And 
of course, he cried out and Jesus saved him. And that song, Oceans, builds on what happened there with Peter and applies that to our walk with Jesus. And I think it is a very powerful song when it's understood in that kind of way. If you didn't listen to the sermon yesterday, if you weren't in attendance or watching the live stream, I'd encourage you to give it a listen and maybe give Oceans a try. There's a lot going on with Oceans that is very helpful to us. I want to share two thoughts with you here on the podcast. First and foremost, one of the great things about worship is that in all of our worship, not just our song service, we have to practice submission. We have to be mutually in submission one to another. That's how worship works. The song leader chooses the songs, and sometimes that means he chooses songs that I really like, and sometimes he chooses a song that I don't care for. That's not for me. But you know what? I still need to sing and worship with that song. Sometimes a brother in prayer says exactly the things that I wish were being said in prayer. His prayer becomes my prayer in an easy and and very fluid way, and I just can't believe someone can articulate our thoughts to God in such a grand way. We just say amen at the end with joy. You know, other times the prayer maybe isn't speaking for me quite as specifically and phrasing what I would say to God in such a good way. And you know what? I still need to say amen at the end of that prayer. And that goes for preaching. Sometimes the preacher is spot on and feel like he's been hiding out in our house. He just seems to know everything that's going on in our marriage or with our kids or in our lives. And the word of God is brought with force and power. And then there's other times the sermon just doesn't seem like that was for me today. Maybe the preacher's preaching first principles. Well, you know, I've been baptized. So why are we talking about baptism today? The preacher's talking about instrumental music. Why are we talking about that? I get it. I get it. So let's talk about something else. But you know what? I still need to listen and try to profit from that sermon and learn from it and take good notes and think through the word of God with the preacher. The table talk as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, same kind of thing. Sometimes it's really, really what I needed. Other times I'm like, well, yeah, okay. But I still need to take the Lord's Supper in a mindful way as I consider the Lord and what he's done for us at Calvary and what I need to do in response to him. All of that is to say that we are in mutual submission in worship. That's one of the great things about worship. I don't get to decide. It's not for me, and I don't make all of the decisions. So sometimes we're going to sing Oceans, and there's going to be some people who say, this is the greatest song ever, and I'm so glad we're singing it. And there's going to be some other people who say, I don't yeah, this song is not one of my favorites. And you know what we need to do? We just need to sing it anyway. Because on the next Sunday, we're going to sing a song that the people who loved Oceans are like, nah, why are we singing this old song? I don't like these old songs. But you know what they need to do on that Sunday? They need to sing those songs, make melody in their heart, because we can worship God with old songs. We can worship God with new songs. We can find something in every sermon. We can take the Lord's Supper. We can worship the Lord. And that's on me. Instead of sitting there saying, I'm mad because it didn't do everything my way and, and do to suit me, I need to get over myself and worship God with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That, I think, is the most important thing that we can take out of these different sermons about worship and worship styles and new songs and old songs. I can worship and I'm responsible for my worship. I'm going to worship. I guess, finally then, from the sermon yesterday, I always like in these podcasts to have some kind of application. What are we doing? And I think the application here that I want to make and just reinforce from what I said yesterday is we need to mean what we sing. If we're going to sing, oh, how I love Jesus, I need to ask myself, do I really love Jesus? And what does loving Jesus mean? And am I doing that? And if I'm going to sing oceans, call me out upon the waters, a great unknown where feet may fail. My faith will be strengthened in your presence wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. If I'm going to sing that, then I need to be ready to get out of the boat. Do the will of God, and when I have opportunities to do things that are difficult or uncomfortable,
trouble or hard, I need to get out of the boat because the Lord in his good providence and his good ways is calling us out upon the waters. It's not enough to sing oceans. I need to do ocean. Do you understand what I mean? If I was to sing my wife Dina a love song, which is a pretty terrifying thought to her, put on a CD or uh, get on the internet and download a song and say, hey honey, I want you to listen to this. This is how I feel. And it could be a very romantic song and say a lot of beautiful things and poetic expression. But if I don't really love my wife, if I don't care for her, if I don't show her in my day-to-day living that she is my wife and the apple of my eye and just love her so very much, what good is singing that song? That song would just be a farce. It would just be empty words. And in the same way, as we sing and worship God, as we praise God and we sing and edify one another, just need to think about, do I mean these words? That goes for the song Oceans and for every song that we sing. I want to make certain that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable to God because I genuinely mean to do these things and be these things that I'm singing about. hope that'll help you as we continue to think about that sermon as we continue to try to integrate and make good application of that in our lives. think now about our daily Bible reading for the week. John 11 verse 1 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. This week we'll be reading in John chapter 11. In fact, we're going to read this entire chapter, and then on Thursday we'll start John chapter 12. And I want to give you some notes that will help you with the reading. We have come to a pivotal section in John's gospel. The raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11 really is the climatic sign and shows that Jesus's hour has come. In fact, we're going to read this week on Friday in John chapter 12 and verse 23. Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So previously, it has not been the time and it's not been my hour. And Jesus has said that. But now, raising Lazarus crystallizes the opposition to Jesus. Jesus is in Jerusalem or in Bethany, very close to Jerusalem. All things are coming together as Jesus wants them to and as the Father is orchestrating all of these things. And so the hour has come. On Monday, today, we're going to read the first 16 verses of chapter 11, and I'll just give you a couple of things to watch for in your reading today. In chapter 11, in verse 4, Jesus says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. You really want to keep your eye on this idea of glory. That's going to become a big theme as we move towards the cross. That's a big theme in chapter 11, verse 40, chapter 12, verse 41, 43, chapter 17, particularly as Jesus Jesus prays, verse 5, verse 22, verse 24, keep your eye on this idea of being glorified. And a lot of this really doesn't make any sense from a human perspective. Jesus actually waits, verse 6, so that Lazarus will die. And his disciples are completely befuddled by this kind of thing. But of course, we know, and Jesus knows, this is going to bring glory to God as a result. And we need to remember that sometimes when our life is not what we think it ought to be, and we're praying about it, and we're confused and befuddled. Let's see if we can bring 
glory to God, if God isn't working something here that's going to bring great glory to him. So Jesus finally turns, and he's somewhere in northern Galilee, and makes his way down to Bethany, down in Judea, and is at the tomb. And we'll be reading about this, of course, on Tuesday, verses 17 to 37. We've seen already some foolish remarks in verse 12. The disciples say, if Lazarus is asleep, he'll get better. They just don't get it. And then we get some of those remarks as well once Jesus arrives at the tomb. There's interplay there and discussion about who he is leading up to the giant statement in verse 25. Huge statement. Verse 24, Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She doesn't get it, does she? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So that's the central theme of John's gospel. And in some way, resurrection and life aren't even necessarily the same. Life in John's gospel is right now. We have the abundant life, John 10, 10, now. So Jesus is providing heaven and life now. Then he says, look at verse 26, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is the question of John's gospel. The question is not, do you believe in miracles? The question is, do you believe in me? So then as we move forward in Wednesday's reading, we'll be reading verses 38 to 57. And here Jesus, deeply moved, verse 38, comes to the tomb and this incredibly powerful miracle occurs. I really want to encourage you to slow your reading down on Wednesday and just try to stand at the tomb, be in the crowd, and watch that happen. What would be your reaction? I am sure that I would be thinking, this guy has lost his mind. What do you mean Lazarus come forth? And then to see a dead man come out of the tomb. What is that like? And then, of course, incredibly, what happens as a result of that is the chief priest, verse 47, and the Pharisees gather the Sanhedrin council, the supreme body in the land. They make the laws for the Jews and very much function as the laws assembly for the Jews in Judea. They're working hand in glove with the Roman government, of course. They come together. They don't deny that this man performs many signs, but they say, you know what we've got to do? We've got to kill this man. And watch for the double meaning in what's being said there in verse 50, where the high priest says, you don't understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Oh, he speaks better than he knows, doesn't he? Jesus, in fact, of course, is dying for all of us. So that'll carry us to Thursday's reading then, where we'll be at the top at the beginning of chapter 12. We'll read 19 verses. We'll see Mary, Lazarus's sister, anoint Jesus. Remember, this is not the anointing of Luke chapter 7. This is a different anointing that flushes out Judas's motives and who he is kind of foreshadows the bad things to come from Judas. Then there is the triumphal entry, verse 12. John, pretty short with that. Not giving us a lot about that. He's going to give us a lot more at the Last Supper that we don't get in the other Gospels. That'll lead then to Philip bringing, verse 21, these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And so here they bring these Greeks to see Jesus. And this is where Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And verse 27 further some of that by saying, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. We really begin to get insight here into Jesus as he struggles with the horror of what faces him and what he will have to do on our behalf. And again, we just want to slow that reading down and appreciate what Jesus is going through and what Jesus is thinking and hear all that this is about. Verse 28, the Father says, I'm going to glorify you. See, there's that glorify 
Spotify theme. There's that reassurance that Jesus needs as he stares into that chasm of darkness that the cross really represents. John 11 and 12 bring us right to the crux of the matter, and I use that word intentionally, Jesus dying for your sins, dying for my sins as well. This is very thoughtful reading. This is the kind of thing that brings us up close with Jesus and helps us see exactly who he is and what he's done, what he's done for you and me. That's going to bring us to greater faith in him, which of course is exactly why John wrote this great material. So from time to time, I'm going to add a few extra thoughts on something maybe that's going on or something that struck me as important. I'm just going to add a little bit more to the end of the podcast. Maybe you're not quite to the end of that cup of coffee yet. I've got a little bit left here. Drinking coffee today out of a beautiful Costa Rica mug. It's a big mug. It's very colorful. It's got a great big handle on it, which I really, really like. It was given to me by one of our members at Westside. It really does bring me joy. I talk about coffee all the time, and I think sometimes people are a little unsure about all of that. But when we do things that, that bring us joy, and we tie those things into our daily Bible reading, for example, that helps us want to do that. And so I get a big cup of coffee and sit down with my Bible, and, and that's very enjoyable. And I like that, and I like doing things that make reading the Bible enjoyable. So let me give you one final thought here. This is the week of our youth lectures. On Friday night, Westside will host the 27th Annual Youth Lectures. We'll have two speakers Friday night, two speakers Saturday afternoon, and then two speakers on Sunday morning with breakout sessions during our Bible class hours, and we have all kinds of speakers going during that particular time. So lots happening that will help young people be stronger and know and find and follow God's way. That's really our theme this year. I've seen some of the lesson material that our speakers will be presenting, seen some PowerPoint presentations and talked to them about their lessons, and I just know it's going to be a really special, special weekend for our young people. We had to do it virtually last year. Very, very hopeful that we can get this in this year and that with all the things that are going on, we're going to be safe and we're going to be able to have our assembly, going to be able to sing together. That's a huge part of the lectures, of course. In that regard, I just wanted to share this with you. My good friend Daryl Trammell, he wrote this about the 2019 lectures and posted this on his social media account. And it's just a, a marvelous, marvelous endorsement of what the lectures is all about. He wrote this, we drove almost 500 miles round trip today in order to attend one day of the youth lectures in Irving. One might ask why we would travel so far and invest so much time to attend. I think someone who asks this has never been. For young people who don't have an abundance of young folks in their congregation, it is an eye-opener to gather with 562 other people, a large percentage their age, who are interested in centering their lives around God. They see their friends from camp, for sure, but it's a lot more than that. They need to see others working at their faith as well. The lessons have always been great for them, and we sometimes are talking about them even years later. It was worth the drive. In fact, we've driven further all the way from New Mexico. If you haven't been, make it a priority to get your kids there. Afterward, you'll see it's worth it. Daryl, thanks for those encouraging words about our youth lectures, and I hope that if you're listening to this and you've got a young person in your family, or maybe you know some young people, junior high kids are not able to get to the youth lectures unless an adult says, hey, let's get a car load up and let's go to Irving. Let's go to West Side and let's sing and pray and hear great preaching. Let's go see the youth lectures and be part of that. I hope that's my extra thought for the week. I hope that you'll want to do that and I hope that I see you Friday night. We'll be singing starting at 7 p.m. Yes, it will be live stream, but there's nothing like being in person. Hope to see you Friday night at the West Side Youth 
lectures. Well, thank you for listening. If you love the Monday Morning Coffee podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening on. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the podcast, that would really help us too. So until next time, may your coffee be delightful, may your Monday be short, and may the Lord be with you today, all day. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Westside Church of Christ podcast, Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. For more information about Westside, you can connect with us through our website, justchristians.com, and our Facebook page. Our music is from Upbeat.io. That's Upbeat with two P's, U-P-P-B-E-A-T, where creators can get free music. Please share our podcast with others. And we look forward to seeing you again, with a cup of coffee, of course, on next Monday.